is one AFC East backfield, one to avoid for fantasy purposes. What does one NFC North squad reported interest in some all-pro receivers say about what they think about their current players already there? And what are the chances James Cook has the best season of any rookie running back? Plus, Jay Utronke, a six-time winner of FFPC High Stakes Dynasty Fantasy Football Leagues, joins us to talk about John Mechie in Houston, Jelani Woods in Indianapolis, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Falkman. Stick around. Your High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour starts now. I am the pressure. I've seen greater men Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. Thank you, Rob, and greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Ferelliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, and my co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football live from the KFFSC. Here he is, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, welcome to the show, man. Bucky, it has been a quick week. I am so glad to see you again. I had a lot of news this week. It was. It, it was interesting. Like we got kind of a like a mini run on news uh, tonight. Yeah. We're going to get into some of it. Uh, I know with our guest, um, but but we saw the Landry thing, the Brian Edwards trade, um, Kingsley Kiki. I know nobody cares about it on the HSFF hour, but former Packers signs of the Cardinal all this afternoon. The, the Friday night news dump is a real thing in the NFL. We'll get to some of that. Not all of it uh, tonight. If you want to connect with us, uh, on Twitter, you can do so at HSFFR. I'm at Eric Balkman. Always learn more about Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com, Facebook.com slash HSFFR is where you can reach us. And email us at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, send them in now. We'll do our best to try to get to all the YouTube chat room questions, all the tweets, and all the emails coming up in our fantasy feedback segment later in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer and my best friend, Bryce. And, of course, our producer and mutual friend, Rob. Uh, coming up on tonight's show, we're going to dish on the Ravens muddled backfield uh, with Mike Davis now aboard. Whether FFPC drafters, and I know this is a topic we touched on before, and I'm going to get Farrell's take on it because I think it's a strong one, whether they're undervaluing Bears tight end Cole Komet. And then J.D.U. Tronke is going to come up in about 12 minutes or so uh, to discuss how he's been able to win six FFPC high-stakes dynasty fantasy football leagues, how rookie drafts are going for him, his thoughts on Jarvis Landry in New Orleans, and much more. As a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, a couple of housekeeping notes uh, up at the top of the show. The 2022 FFPC main event is awarding a million dollar grand prize this year. If you get in in the early bird, you have 18 days to do it. You'll save $100 off your first team. You'll save $500 off each additional team. Now, don't forget, after the early bird deadline uh, goes away, that additional team discount goes up 100 bucks. So make sure you're getting in now before May 31st so you can lock in that uh, price. Remember, you can do that by paying in full or just a $200 deposit on that. The Football Guys uh, early bird promotion is active. Um, we've had dozens, maybe even 100-some people take advantage of it already. Remember, if you're drafting prior to July 15th and registering before June 30th, 
you're going to get a $35 FFPC team onto your account, and we'll do that up to three times for you as well. Uh, the 2022 FFPC Best Ball Tournament Grand Prize and Prize Pool has been doubled this year, uh, $125 to enter that, and you're going to win 200 grand. Good return on investment there. And we are also introduced our inaugural Superflex Best Ball Tournament, $35 entry fee, um, and you can win uh, $10,000 in that. Dynasty Startups available. We got a bunch of them popping off tomorrow morning and plenty of low, uh, low, slow, live, and sit-and-go best ball options going on at myffpc.com. If you prefer the closed 12-team leagues, and don't forget the KFFSC Run to Daylight, the Draft Masters, the KFFSC Main Event, awarding a $25,000 grand prize this year as well. That's all at kffsc.com. We are in the thick of drafting season, and without uh, further ado, let's get into the news here, and we'll kick things off in Denver. I might butcher this. I'm not sure. I'm going to try my best. The Arapaho. Arapaho County? I don't know. It's in Colorado. I'm not from Colorado. I don't know. You got it right second time, Bob. Second time? Okay. Uh, their sheriff's department uh, said there's no, quote, no act of violence before Jerry Judy's arrest on misdemeanor criminal tampering with a domestic violence enhancer charges. This is James Palmer, recovers the Broncos on Twitter. Um, he So the domestic violence enhancer uh, states that it was a domestic incident involving Judy and the mother of his one-month-old daughter. He's accused of the removal of property, including locking her wallet and baby supplies in his vehicle as he was trying to get a phone back, apparently. I know it's muddled, but try to follow me here. 10.15 a.m. yesterday morning, there was a keep the peace situation. Deputies were dispatched. Um, Jerry Judy, I believe, is out on bond right now. Uh, it, it seems like the, the mother said she never felt threatened. Um, the police said that there was never any sort of physical situation uh, or violence there, Farrell. And I know this is serious and we want to take domestic violence serious. But when when this all comes out and wash, based on what both parties and the authorities are saying right now, I don't know if I'm necessarily changing my draft board as far as Denver Broncos pass catchers go based on this. I don't either. I think probably in the Broncos office, there was a pal of uh, disappointment hanging over it. But when the facts were were further examined uh, this this appears to be a uh, a best efforts law to keep domestic violence uh, in check and when when uh, when uh, the police were dispatched they were honor bound by the way the law is written to make an arrest and this is something that this is young people doing young things in a foolish way and um, i think all of us have at one point in time been down a similar path with doing something foolish uh, without a domestic violence enhancer with it, with a poorly worded, uh, a poor, perhaps a poorly written law, definitely a poorly worded. Poorly worded one, one for sure, sure. yeah. Uh, but nevertheless, um, unfortunate at this any time of the year, especially this time of the year. And so I, I, I'm with you, Balky. I think uh, this became, we're used to bad news in these type of things. This became the, the least bad news out of this situation could possibly get. Yeah, and I think that's that's what we should take away from this uh, as well. Let's uh, go to Miami now, South Beach. Mm. Um, uh, associate or assistant head coach Eric Studisville told reporters this week that the Dolphins are going to, quote, create a competitive environment at running back. This according, there's a story on profootballtalk.com. Here's uh, the full quote from Studisville. You create a competitive environment and you let those guys sort it out because that's how it's going to happen. They're going to sort it out as to who contributes, where, and how, and how much. Um, Chase Edmonds bring, uh, is, was the first addition to the Dolphins' backfield this offseason, $6.1 million guaranteed. You'd think he'd be the lead back. However, 
Miami then adds Raheem Mostert, and now most recently, Sony Michelle as well. We don't know the parameters of Sony Michelle's deal. Mostert has a million dollars in guaranteed money. So again, even though with the additions of these guys, you still think Edmonds is probably the guy there. However, um, you look at what these guys have been able to do in the NFL. All three of them have been able to contribute for various teams and various offenses, uh, various offenses over the years. Michelle actually kind of made Daryl Henderson obsolete last year uh, with the way he performed for the Rams. And um, Mostert was Mike McDaniel's guy in San Francisco. Now he's in Miami. The Dolphins still have, actually, don't forget about Miles Gaskin. Um, you think Edwards is the um, is the guy there. And right now, we want to shout out to uh, Darren Armani, FantasyMojo.com, for all the ADP that I'm going to be spewing out tonight. Uh, he's responsible for that, FantasyMojo.com. Make sure you have a subscription to that because it pays for itself in the FFPC. Chase Edmonds going as running back 34 at the 806. Farrell, I, I think for me, uh, and, and I don't know if you feel differently about this, but for any of these Dolphins running backs, if Edmonds there in the eighth and maybe I went zero RB, yeah, I can get on board with them there. I'm certainly not targeting there, and I'm definitely not targeting Mostert. I'm not targeting Michelle or Gaskin. But if they are around late, these are the one injury away guys that can be difference makers. I think you might have a stronger take on Mostert than I do, though. Yeah, well, you're still holding a grudge for the uh, what Mostert did for the Packers in the playoffs a couple of years. true. Years. Kaepernick, yeah, too. Yeah. Pretty much everybody on that team. I can understand why. Uh, Edmonds, uh, you know, I think you summed it up beautifully, uh, Balky, and better than I could. But, you know, I'm going to trust the coach here. I love what he's saying. Let them get in there and let them determine through the preseason, through their working camp, and through their ability to stay healthy, which especially starts with Mostert, uh, who will be available. You know, if you go into this depth chart, um, uh, Jared Dukes is a player from the University of Cincinnati, a last year's ad that, that people really, really like, and he's going to play better after a year's experience in this organization. People from Southeast Conference will tell you about White from South Carolina, who's a capable back in the SEC. Yeah, let these guys go to camp and fight it out, and you are truly right. Miles Gaskin is the forgotten man in all drafts. And, and uh, you know, you, you go into your draft not targeting these guys. That means you're not setting expectations. That means if they fall to you and you utilize them when their opportunity comes, which may only be one or two weeks this year, could be all the difference in the world. So don't forget about the Dolphins running game. I'm just not super excited about any one player there. Speaking of not being excited about any one player there, let's talk about the Bears offense. Uh, <laughs> this week, they signed Dante uh, Pettis from the Giants by way of the Niners to a one-year deal. They also signed uh, wide receiver Tajay Sharp to a one-year deal. Dante Pettis, 26 years old, um, with the 49ers, 27 catches, 467 yards, and five touchdowns um, as a second-round rookie pick back in 2018. Kyle Shanahan uh, put him in the doghouse after that, and then he landed with the Giants in 2020. Ten catches, 87 yards, and a touchdown on 16 targets before going on injured reserve with a shoulder injury. Um, I'm not excited about Pettis or Sharp Farrell. But somebody's got to catch passes in Chicago. We'll get to Cole Komet later in the program. But as far as receivers go, I can't get on board with anybody on this offense, literally anybody, except for Darnell Mooney. Here we are in June, Balky, and we're in a situation where the general manager there in Chicago seems to be like one of the frustrated fantasy drafters who from week to week is trying to add a Duke's mixture of underperforming wide receivers. You uh, you left out such greats as uh, Equiminius St. Brown. Uh, Former Packer. Yes, sir. David Moore, 
East Central State. I always name. I love the name of that school. I believe he had a cup of coffee with the Packers last yeah, year. Yeah, well, yeah, he was a bad. He hasn't caught a ball in two years. He's most remembered for uh, the way he stole touchdowns from everyone in Seattle in 2020 when he got six of them. Uh, uh, Tajay Sharp um, has been through an interesting career. Had a case of the dropsies when he was in Tennessee. You know, he's a Massachusetts Minute Man, and it is when a kid from that school gets in the league and plays this many games, 60-plus games in the NFL, that's a victory. But you're right. None of these guys, uh, a Duke's mixture of underachievers, and that brings my spotlight and target to this year's draft. And, Balky, there's one player you're missing in this Chicago Bear receiver, and you know who it is, Vellis Jones, Jr. of the of, uh, University of Southern California Trojans via one-year stop with the Tennessee Volunteers. This is a matured uh, athlete uh, coming to the NFL. I like the way he plays, he, and you have to love the speed. Uh, number three speed at the combine. Does does Darren have a? Can Darren give us an idea of uh, of, of where Vellis Jones Jr. is is going in the draft? Maybe in the one in the uh, one twenty five, never too early's in, in that group. Yeah, I could tell you for the football guys players championship. Already right now. good. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, it, He's basically free. Um, the 99th receiver chosen Farrell in the 20th round, 2002 is where mm -hmm. he's going right now. This is like, you know, Tyquan Thornton, Byron Pringle, Randall Cobb, Devin Duvernay, uh, uh territory there. And I just out of those five guys, I think you're right. I mean, I'm definitely most excited about Jones. I do worry a little bit about the age. Anytime a guy is this old coming in the NFL, I wonder mm -hmm. if he dominated with a mature body versus 18, 19, 20-year-old yeah. kids. Um, sometimes those are founded, sometimes they're unfounded, but here is the one thing we know for sure with Jones, he is going to get the opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, the bears utilize the second round pick on him. They want to use him on special teams and the offense, and he's going to have a golden uh, chance, a golden opportunity for a lot of balls there, jet sweeps, what have you. They want to use Velas Jones for sure. Um, the last thing I want to get to here before we get to uh, Jay Utronky, the six time FFPC dynasty winner is a Packers note. Um, Ian Rappaport uh, said on the Pat McAfee show earlier this week that Green Bay was going to be involved for free agent receivers Jarvis Landry, Julio Jones, and Odo Beckham. We know Landry has made his choice. He's signing a one-year deal with New Orleans. More on him coming up later on in the show. Julio Jones is still out there. Odell Beckham is still out there. Full, the full quote from Ian Rappaport, you're not going to get $15 million. You're probably not going to make $10 million. You know you've got a chance to make the Super Bowl. That actually is attractive. Now, whether Ian Rappaport is just – Again, he goes on Pat McAfee every week. He's got to have something to talk about, whether he's just saying, hey, these guys are still looking for a team. The Packers still look like they're looking to add receivers, whether it's just that type of reporting. I don't know whether the Packers, and, and I've heard that they've done their homework on these guys and would be open to signing them. I don't know if um, general manager Brian Gutekunst has a price in mind for each of these players or now Jones and um, Beckham, and he's willing to bring them aboard for that. I don't know. Um, but for me, this does not feel like a Packers move. And I think going forward, as far as it goes with, with Green Bay receivers, I if I'm picking Lazard, Watson, Cobb, um, Dobbs, uh, you know, any of the guys uh, on Green Bay's receiving core right now, I am picking them. Watkins is another guy. I'm picking them based on what I think they're going to do this year in Green Bay. I think, and I reserve the right to change my mind, I think Green Bay is done adding to the receiver room unless they decide to cut Watkins and bring somebody else aboard. But I think they're pretty much set and happy with what they have there. 
I would think that's a good group to run with, especially with the power at quarterback. You know, you take those guys from down in Chicago that we just talked about, you put them with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, and we probably like them a little bit more, not enough to draft them. But I, I like what Rodgers can do with these guys. Uh, okay, uh, Landry's contract has a potential of $6 million, and I think was the best landing spot for him after being in a situation where uh, he, he – uh, he played in Cleveland where he was beat up by the weather and the quarterback. Now he goes inside. And, yeah, you said we would talk about that later, and so we will. But that takes you to the other two guys. Julio Jones should be a June signee. If I were representing Odell Beckham, and, I, you know, last year we, we I talked about Odell Beckham, and I didn't think the move to, to the Rams would be fortuitous. And, I, boy, was I wrong. And I talked about Julio Jones and what he could bring to Tennessee. And, boy, was I wrong. And so I'm going to try to be right about these guys this year. Jones uh, Jones should find the best spot. And, and I think Odell Beckham should wait until he's healthy and see who needs him because he can punch his ticket to anywhere he wants in the NFL, most likely with a winner and most likely with the place he wants to be where uh, he will get the best deal and a chance to be in another Super Bowl if he so chooses. And, and we will see what choice he makes uh, down the stretch here. Is we do, I mean, it's still it's still mid-May. I mean, this is a guy that may not sign until late in the season, may not sign until training camp, may not sign until the actual NFL season starts. We shall see on that. Um, let's uh, bring in tonight's guest, ladies and gentlemen. He hails from Ontario and entering his sixth year playing high-stakes fantasy football. He's already got six FFPC high-stakes dynasty titles under his belt, and he's going to join us tonight to talk about Brian Edwards. Isaiah Pacheco, and much more tonight. Please welcome onto the HSFF Hour, the pride of Canada, Mr. Jay Utronki. Jay, welcome Hello. into the show. How are you tonight, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Um, uh, it's, it's a great time of year. Hockey's in full swing. We got uh, the playoffs going on. Uh, we got a couple game sevens tomorrow. The Maple Leafs and Oilers are going to try to survive. But uh, And, of course, football, we got the schedule released, so we can actually start looking at some matchups. I know, I, I don't know about you guys, but we still have DSD in some leagues and you're kind of like sitting there in the draft room. Who the heck am I going to start week one? You want to have someone so uh, I can start planning for that. So uh, it's a great time of year. Uh, excited to be on. Thanks for having me. Jay, what's the jersey that you got on? What's the hockey sweater? Yeah, what, what it's uh, is that Edmonton, Oilers? Edmonton, baby. All right. Yeah. I like it. It's not McDavid. It's Gretzky. It's It's vintage. Um, well, and, and the Oilers are playing Gretzky's. Well, I guess Gretzky was a yes. too, but obviously, but he's they're playing. It's the it's the Gretzky matchup with that's them and right. the Kings right now. When that's so right. that's Game Seven coming up on that Game right? Seven Saturday night. It doesn't get any better than that in Canada. Yeah, uh, this is, <laughs> and that game said, is against uh, the Tampa Bay Lightnings. Is that correct? No, the, Oilers yeah. and Kings. The, oh, the Maple Leafs play the Tampa and the and the Leafs. That's right. And yeah. where does that where does that stand? Uh, game seven tomorrow as well. Okay. All right. Yeah. He said, so. he, he said he's from Ontario. Balky said Ontario. And that's a, that's, that's a, a swath of, uh, of land. This uh, pretty good size. Oh Where? man. Yeah. The whole country's, I haven't even been to BC or to Newfoundland. It's, it's big. Well, where is home? Uh, what's that? Sorry. What city? Where is home? Uh, I'm right now. I just relocated. I know I was supposed to be on over a month ago. I had a couple right. moves. Uh, so I'm in Barrie, Ontario right now. Very good. About an hour uh, north of Toronto. Love it. We've already set the record from the most hockey talk on this program. Yes, okay. 11 years. I'm glad, I'm glad to be a part of that record. <laughs> You're in the record books, Jay. Yeah, all right. Great. Awesome. Great. Let's talk some football. All right. Well, yeah. we're going to. But before we get into that, when you're not winning all these high-stakes dynasty leagues, can you tell the viewers what you're doing for a living in Canada? 
Yeah. Uh, so I am a teacher. Um, so that's what I, I do during the day. However, uh, I just, uh, uh, my wife and I welcome our second edition. So I'm on paternity leave now. So I'm a, officially a stay-at-home dad for the next few months. Uh, and that's a full-time job. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's good. It's great uh, to have those times. The best part was my little guy was supposed to be due early January. And as any Dynasty fantasy uh, owner knows, that's a scary time of year when, you're, when your kid's about to be born. Because the last thing you want to do is find out, oh, man, uh, your kid's being born on the you know championship Sunday. And uh, you, you got to set your lineups. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I avoided that. Well, and I'll tell you this, too. And Farrell knows the story. But, like, my oldest son um, was, was due in early October. And I was out in Las Vegas for the FFPC Live events okay. back in, in 2013. And I got a phone call Sunday morning, two hours before kickoff. I, you know, I'm in Wisconsin. I got a phone call two hours before kickoff on Sunday that my wife's water broke and she had to go to the hospital. So then I had to lit and I missed the last flight to Wisconsin. About oh, 20 minutes. I had to fly from Las Vegas to Atlanta, then back to Appleton, Wisconsin, got in in plenty of time. Actually, he, he wasn't born until about nine hours after I got there, but I made it. So it's exciting. And I know how, how scary that is. Absolutely. And by the way, my wife also a teacher. So you, you guys are doing God's okay. work. Congratulations <laughs> to you. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You. Thank you. You, you know, you're doing a little bit of God's work. If you can report as a man, as a correspondent from the front lines of battle of the rookie drafts from this year's dynasty. And I understand you playing a lot of them. Uh, what's your report to uh, us uh, redraft civilians about what's going on with the rookie class? Well, uh, first up, everyone is in love with the 2023 first rounders. Uh, it's a, oh, it's a hot commodity. You're moving players for picks. Yeah. People don't want these players. Yeah, especially in super flex leagues. So uh -huh. uh, because Kenny Pickett's really the only, you know, close to starting uh, quarterback that's available. I mean, everyone was uh, thinking Malik Willis was going to be that guy, but obviously, given where he was drafted, he's going to sit behind Tannehill, and he's a project now. Um, but it seems like everyone's trying to trade out and get get those 23 first, and it's almost impossible to do. That's been very rare to, to see that done. Um, and it's just because the draft is really wide receiver heavy, right? And in Superflex, yes. uh, you know, I, I've never been, I was on the clock at 103, 105, and I'm like, I don't want to take Kenny Pickett because I don't believe in his long-term outlook. Um, and there was no running backs available. So it's like, okay, which wide receiver do I take? And I think that's the other conundrum. And when you this, say there was no running backs available, you mean there was, there was no, uh, yeah. the first two guys were gone. Yeah, exactly. The first two guys are gone. And then there's a big drop off. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're sitting there thinking, okay, who do I take? Do I take, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, uh, Traylon Burks seemed to be yeah. the third or fourth guy out of the rookie picks. And uh, Drake London seemed to be the consensus 102 on most drafts right after Brees Hall. So it was kind of a tough thing. And I think most people were trying to trade out or trade back, um, but it was uh, tough to do so. So there was a lot of gridlock. Didn't see too much movement uh, really in these rookie drafts. Um, how many teams, how many, Jay, how many dynasty teams do you have in the FFPC? Uh, too many. No, uh, <laughs> that's that's I incorrect. I need to know. Uh, no, no, you can never have too many. Actually, <laughs> yes, what I did was I, I scaled back in my other dynasty leagues in other platforms. Well, that's so that way that's I could just you know focus on my FFBC ones. I so. think you should forget your passwords to those. Other <laughs> you you really have no business over there. Yeah. But in the FFBC, how many teams? Yeah, I got seventeen. 
17. Huh? Yeah. 17 in Canada that converts to American is 14. No, that's still 17. <laughs> yeah. Okay. On those teams, how often are you trading? Uh, on those right. teams? Yeah. On those teams, uh, every one of them, you're moving players? As much as I can. It's It's been pretty like right around the rookie draft. I noticed it quieter than most years because I think there was so much uncertainty with where guys going to land in the draft, you know, um, I think we're going to start to see some movement take fold now, uh, heading into May and June as people start, this is an interesting time of year because we're all enamored with the youth, the upside, uh -huh. the potential, right? Everyone's trying to go young, but there's this transition that slowly happens as we get into redraft mode. And I'm talking as dynasty managers where we're thinking about, wait a sec, I got to win week one. It's not, it's not about looking down the road saying, well, this guy's 21 years old. He's got a great career ahead of him. you got to think, well, who am I putting in that lineup, right? Uh, and that's where uh, it becomes tricky. We see this transition happen. Balkin, I am returning this to you because my investigative reporting for redrafters have, have now, I have achieved the fact that there's two running backs, Hall and Walker, and that Drake London is the number one receiver. And, and then there were three other receivers uh, mentioned. I have failed to uh, to get inside the brain of this tremendously talented dynasty player and, and get any useful information out of him for redrafts. However, we both agree that it's an interesting time of the year, and I bet it is. All right, so we'll, we'll go good cop, bad cop. Good cop didn't work. Let's <laughs> okay. go bad cop here. Um, okay, so Jay, so – I don't. Do you have a NFL team you root for there in Canada, in in Ontario? You know, it, it's kind of it, when I first got into the NFL hardcore would be about 2012, and I fell in love with Eli Manning and the Giants before they went on that Super Bowl run. Um, yes. But I have to say, if I had to choose right now in the NFC, uh, I would be a, a Packers fan, and the AFC, uh, I got to go with the Bills, being that they're right on the border. So. Um, not, not 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 a couple bad teams to root for given the recent success. And and so that's I was kind of I was fishing there and I wasn't sure you're gonna say Buffalo, but I had an inkling that you were going to. <laughs> and what's interesting, and I know that you have gotten James Cook in your rookie drafts yes. uh, a few times, um, who is you know could could be a, a big time monkey wrench to Devin Singletary being productive in 2022. What are the chances that James Cook gets some high value touches? not just later on in the season when he gets his feet wet, but maybe right away in September and October. You know what? I, I was down on Cook going into the draft process, but after he got the landing spot, um, the more I kind of marinated on the on James Cook and to the Bills, the more I started to really like like it in the upside. The kid, I watched watching him on tape, he does flash. He, I, don't take me uh, wrong here. Um, he kind of reminds me of Alvin Kamara. There's a shiftiness to his game. I'm not saying he's going to be Kamara, but he's a, he's got great pass catching chops. That's his specialty. He can run though. And I think a lot of people knocked him due to his size. Uh, I think he weighs at a close to about 200 pounds. That's not that bad. I think uh, in the modern NFL, I think he, he can get, uh, you know, if he gets the opportunity, I think he can make some splash plays and uh, he's that nice finishing piece because Running backs have been kind of the – it's been bland in Buffalo. Singletary's been fine. Uh, Zach Moss is nothing special. I think 
Cook could bring a little X factor. Will it translate? I don't know. But I think where he's going in uh, rookie drafts at uh, the turn, 112, early second round, I think that's a, that's a decent investment. I like that. Hey, you know, okay, so you're a New York Giants fan before necessarily becoming a Bills fan. I love yeah. your regionality. I, I love that. Let's stay in New Jersey. Let's okay. stay in New Jersey and let's go to Rutgers University because they have a running back, Isaiah Pacheco. <laughs> I believe I'm pronouncing that right. Balky, correct me because I'm probably Pacheco, wrong. Pacheco, let's call the whole it's thing It's off. a fun name. Yeah. <laughs> Consistent ground game who, while they're at Rutgers, I look these numbers up and my math is always a little fuzzy, but he enjoyed 11 wins and 34 losses during his college career. But he showed up at the combine and with the size he is, bursted out with a 437. So my question to you as a seventh round pick that went to the Kansas City Chiefs, that's why I bring up that one loss record. What a thrill this kid must have experienced when he was going to be a Kansas City Chief. Yeah. What kind of role does he have with this team? How does it affect uh, Ronald Jones and Edwards Hilaire? And, you know, could this be that that player that we're always looking for, that James Robinson, who this time of year when James came out, nobody really knew him. Yep. And uh, by the time we made it to Las Vegas, he was a ninth or tenth round draft pick, and he, he delivered a championship for a lot of drafters. And, and by the way, Jay um, – predating you becoming a real big NFL uh, fan. Uh, there was another uh, running back that people said might be too little as well. His name was Walter Payton. So I think you're in good company of, uh, of uh, getting some talent. Yeah, I think Pacheco, I mean, it, it all comes down to the value. Where do you have to take him? I, I He's probably my most owned player in Dynasty oh, right now. good. Uh, I, I think I probably, honest to God, probably have him on three quarters of my teams. It just seems to be, I'm like checking my queue and there he is sitting there. And, uh, you know, if you're looking at round five, six, seven, what the heck? Um, it's, it's worth the gamble. Um, I think if one thing that I think we've all learned is the fragility of the position. You look at what happened to Baltimore last year, right? It was unbelievable. All these guys going down. You know, Gus Edwards and Dobbins, uh, ETN with the Jaguars, Akers, all these guys were. And what were we doing? We were checking the depth charts. So yeah. all it takes is one injury uh, and poof, you know, if a guy has a good training camp, um, things can happen. So uh, and we're talking the Chiefs offense. And the thing I like about it, too, is the Chiefs running back situation. It's not settled, right? It's not set in stone. CEH, can he stay healthy? Is he still the guy? Do they still believe in him? Uh, Ronald Jones, uh, you know, some people believe, but do we, do we really know what he's going to do? Um, mm -hmm. So it, there's a lot that I think remains to be seen. And if, if Pacheco can have a good camp sticks around and he shows some burst, uh, you never know, right? To Jay's point, 509 in rookie drafts right now in the FFPC. Okay, 509? Uh, yeah, I mean, so, and then you obviously, I mean, running back 48 and not in redraft. He's running back 48 in rookie draft. Yeah. So you can definitely, if you want this guy, there's no excuse not to get exactly. him. Exactly. Sure. Do you find, and, and because, you know, you have cut down days in, in FFPC dynasty, do you find yourself right now at this point in the season, rookie drafts going on in May, loading up on guys who are one injury away or maybe, you know, a few plays, you know, making a, a few plays where they could carve out a role uh, for the team in September? 
is this what you're doing right now and just, you know, buying a bunch of lottery tickets and hopefully you hit on one before you have to cut down before the season starts, Jay? Is that how you treat the rookie drafts after you get past, like, maybe the first couple rounds? Yeah, like, once you get past round three, it's, yeah, yeah it's kind of the lottery ticket mentality. Who has a, a chance to carve out a role? Who has a chance to flash uh, in the preseason or training camp to generate some buzz? Uh, sometimes you're looking at the veterans. I, I think where it changes a little bit, uh, or some of the FFPC Rotoviz Dynasty leagues that are deeper, then you're starting to think, okay, I, I don't want to just choose guys that I want to cut or have a, a five, 10% chance of breaking out. You want to actually think, hmm, Alan Lazard actually might be a decent depth piece for me in that league, you know, or Jarvis Landry, who nobody wanted before the signing. Um, that could translate, right? So anyone now that has Landry, uh, his, his value is going to go up because he's on an NFL roster now. Um, so, for the most part, you're looking at guys that could pop. Um, but if it's a deeper league, for sure, you're, you're looking uh, at adding some solid depth. Uh, John Mechie, let's talk about him in Houston. Coming off Canadian, the by the way. What's that? He's Canadian, by the way. I Canadian. didn't know that. Is he really? Yes, he is. My yep. God. So Nick, Nick Saban's recruiting Canada now? There's no hope for the rest <laughs> of the college football. There's just none. Uh, he's, he's already he's, he's taken over the southeastern part of the country, and now he's taking – over the northern part of the continent. Um, okay, so let's talk about him here. Yep. He goes to Houston. Obviously, there's not a, a whole lot of guys to love there. I mean, Brandon Cooks, I've always had a soft spot for, for sure. But going forward, and we heard Lovey Smith, I think, say earlier this week, or was it last week, talking about um, they they hope he plays this year. Um, this is a dude who's got an ADP and rookie drafts in the FFPC at 210. Um, so, you know, if, if you have picked in the first couple of rounds, you should be able to get him if you want him. Um, but Mechie going forward, I mean, is what are the chances he's the the long term number one? Is this how how you view him as a high stakes fantasy football dynasty player? Jim? Yeah, I, I don't view him as a number one per se. I think he could fit that number two role nicely. I, I view him ideally as a as a slot guy um, that uh, can soak up targets. Uh, and he and he's it's funny. The, the, we're pigeonholing Mechie as a slot guy, but if you look at his yards per catch, I think it's north of 16 yards. That's pretty impressive. Um, so I, I think he, he actually views as a guy that could be a perfect number two for the team, but they're still going to need an alpha. I, and I think when Cook departs, they're going to have to fill that that hole. Um, it'll. I think that Houston's a mess, right? They're, they're rebuilding. Davis Mills, really, I think he surprised people with what he did down uh, the stretch. But it's still a big question mark. And, um, you know, some of those awful trades and uh, how the organization was wrong by the, the O'Brien era, they're, they're, there's, yeah, there's still a few years away from figuring, figuring it out. But I'm uh, happy to get Mechie uh, at a discount um, because I think he is getting at a discount. And he's an Alabama guy. So, you know, Alabama guys have some stock. So if he, if he does hit a little bit, um, the people will remember the name. Jay, to your point, in 2020 – he did indeed average 16.7 yards per catch. That was on 55 catches. Now his yards per catch went down his junior year, but his catches almost doubled. So he averaged 11.9 yards per catch in 2021, but he had 96 catches last year. Yeah, he has a career cool. average in college of 13.4. Yeah. So, I mean, there is a lot to like there with Mech. There's a little bit of versatility on how you can use them. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. You know, on, on this on this show, Jay, at least in this chair, I am a big Davis Mills guy. After a little bit too much Jameson, I sometimes call him Miles Davis, but he is truly <laughs> Davis Mills, and I like uh, the, the um, 
and he was successful last year throwing to a slot receiver. Balky, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was Danny Amendola that kept shooting across the stream and catching balls uh, in this offense last year. And and I really like your identification of this player as a big number uh, receiver uh, in the Houston offense. And I think that offense might be a little better than it might surprise you. And I'll tell you what surprised me when I watched the combine this year. Let's talk about another receiver from just up the road from Louisville, Kentucky here. That's it, David Bell. Uh, I was a big Bell guy. I did not see his lack of straight line speed uh, in in his play speed. However, when he got to the combine, there were such great, great performances at the combine by wide receivers. It made his 4.65 even stand out uh, to be an uglier number than it ordinarily would. And I thought, well, he had a bad run at the pro day. Maybe there's some, uh, you know, that's his hometown, Indianapolis. Maybe there were some problems that hung on with it. He goes to his pro day uh, at Purdue, and it's a 4.71. He actually gets slower. Yeah. What have you noticed about this player uh, in, in what's been happening in the rookie drafts? Has, has these uh, testing and combine performance dropped a similarly productive Big Ten wide receiver out of drafting consideration? Yeah. I mean, if anything, I was actually excited by that because speed is not his game. You know, it never was. We didn't expect him to run fast. What it did was it just created this awesome buying opportunity. So instead of David Bell being – you know, going in the first round or early second round, what, what did he go? Was it third round? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it created a great a buying opportunity for dynasty managers. That being said, a lot of people were predicting after the awful combine performances mm-hmm. um, that he was going to slip to the third round. And that has not been happening. He, he's been going, I would say, uh, I don't have the data on Fantasy Mojo, but I think he's been going uh, mid-round two. Uh, he's someone I've been heavily targeting. I'm a believer. I think I think the guy puts up numbers. I, what I, does he What does he particularly do that you like? The fact that he just catches passes. He's Velcro. Uh, in some Good sometimes hand. we we get so carried away with potential with athleticism um, that we forget. You know what? At the end of the day, it's all about production and catching fo- the football. Mm-hmm. And some guys just have that ability. You know, we, we talked about Jarvis Landry earlier in the, in the podcast. He's made a living on doing that. He's not, you know, he can make some lovely catches, but he's not a speed demon by any means, right? He just, he's he got the bulldog mentality, finds a way to do it. And I think uh, there's there's definitely some parts to his game um, that he, he can be very successful. So, uh, especially in PPR leagues, I, I, I love him in a dynasty perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh 207 in, in rookie drafts right okay, now. 207. So he, yeah, so he is going a little bit uh ahead of uh ahead of Mechie. And and quite frankly, I I I've gone back and forth on Belt. Um, and this goes back to to when he was in college. Like I loved him, then I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. And then I was like, no, he's he's the truth. And now I'm kind of like, I don't know. And now I think after your this ringing endorsement you've given us, Jay, I think I'm back on him right now in the mid-second. Good, now. good. So when, I, when I overdraft him, I have you to blame or think. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that happens uh, as his career goes on. Another guy who, uh, whose career I'm excited to see, especially in the FFPC tight end premium leagues, is Jelani Woods, who yes. comes, goes to Oklahoma State, transfers to the University of Virginia, has a big time breakout year. First team also ACC last year. I think he almost, yeah, yeah. I don't think he hit fifty, but he's very close to fifty catches last year. Awesome uh, combine. Uh, 
incredible athlete, right? This is what you're looking for in your tight end. Now he goes to Indianapolis. What, what kind of an impact do you think two part question, what kind of impact do you think he can make his rookie year? And I know rookie tight ends often struggle, but in a dynasty league long-term, what's this guy's ceiling? Yeah. I, I don't think anyone's going to expect any immediate returns. It's, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to keep a guy like that on your bench because once you get in the middle of the season, you're looking, you got bye weeks. You're like, yeah, Jelani Woods, what is he, what has he done for the past six weeks? Nothing. Okay. Cut him. But he's someone that if you're rebuilding, I, I think he's a worthwhile investment. Uh, the other thing that a savvy thing dynasty owners will do in the FFBC is once they get to the final uh, waiver cutdowns, when we get towards the end of the this, this season, they start targeting those guys who has the potential to take a step forward. So for me last year, that was Alberto. Uh, I love the, the profile of Alberto. I thought maybe there was an opportunity there that he get tr- traded or, or advance and now boom, his value skyrocketed. Um, so I, I think he's someone that even if you can't keep him on your bench because he's not producing, you got to put him on your radar heavily and kind of put that reminder to not forget about him. And just uh, tight ends funny because I, do you guys remember the year where we had the, the big three in the draft, OJ Howard, David Njoku and Evan yeah. Ingram, right? Yeah. And we were always chasing the, the next big thing, but so many of these guys are drafted in the third round. Like uh, if you look at the current uh, elite tight ends, Kelsey, third round, uh, Mark Andrews after Hayden Hurst, third round, George Kittle, fifth round, right? A lot of these guys kind of slip through the cracks and, uh, they get a chance to develop in the NFL. Someone sees their talent. And the thing with him is it's the athleticism. And is, what is he, six, seven? Yeah. That's six, seven, we of it. Oh, man. Right? So. Say, I'll just say this right now. Six, seven, 253. Wow. 37 and a half inch vertical, 10, nine broad, and a 6.95 three cone. You could that guy pull up all the steroids in the world. I'd never come close to any of that. It's insane yeah. <laughs> what this dude yeah. is able to do. Re- repeat that 40 yard dash, uh, Eric. <laughs> uh, did I? Ha- I oh, four six one, four six one, making yeah. him faster than David Bell. I think this guy can catch balls while he would be carrying David Bell. That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> I, I really think that Woods. I think Jay, once you get him on your roster, you're not going to let him go. And there's another I, I, guy. There, there's another guy you won't let go. Uh, I, I'm sure if I do, I'll be kicking myself for uh, for the for a I'm long gonna time. I'm going to come up there. I but, come but, to Toronto but, and Hamilton once a year. I'll come right. up there and kick you. So, but that's hey, the thing, you, Jay. This, this who is, do this you is support what, in the CFL? Can you give me a team that you're is in it the Toronto CFL? or is it Hamilton? Uh, I guess uh, originally I'm from the Ottawa Valley area, so it'd probably be Ottawa Red Blacks. Yes. Um, but I, I like Hamilton. Hamilton was my team because Ottawa hasn't always had a team, so Hamilton's the other. Great place to see a game, and I think that I think that a player on your roster has more chance to play in Hamilton than he does in the NFL this year, and that is Antonio Brown. But in Antonio <laughs> Brown, he has one friend. I, it's Jay from Ontario. When are you going to let it go? When are you well, going to let Antonio go? Hey, you know what? Antonio Brown, is the last two years, he's put up some numbers. I mean, yes, sir, it hasn't has. always been pretty. No, uh, and really. hell, he made me curse big time in, I think it was the playoff uh, playoff championship week. I was like, what is going on here? Is this a joke? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he's sitting there on a lot of my rosters. He's 
uh, kind of like uh, meddled in at the bottom of the, the you know cluster of the ADP where people forget about all these these veterans. Um, I'll, I'll easily cut him if he if he if right now I, I Google his name every now and then it has nothing to do with football, <laughs> so uh, I'll easily cut him. But you never know. There's it could be a five percent chance. He he's good. Like the, it, it, it's it's a sad thing. He's such a talented guy, but obviously he's he's got some issues he has to work out. When he did his rodeo clown imitation uh, on the field last time he took off his jersey and waved his hands, and that's what he reminded me of was a rodeo clown. But yep. after the game, he said, I, I, was, I was there and I was present for all my fans, which gave me something else to chuckle about. But I'll be damned, Jay, he was talking about you. <laughs> and, and other guys like, and you know what? I love it because uh, – he, you're exactly right. And, and uh, yeah, who knows? It could happen. Well, it's like Rob Gronkowski. Okay. A couple of years ago when he was retired, not retired. Right. And I remember, and it was roster cutdown time. So, uh, you know, February and I'm like, I, I don't want to cut him, but I have to, I have to. And sure yeah. enough, yeah. like a week later, he, he signs uh, back with Brady and it's like, Oh damn, oh. what a missed opportunity. So yes, uh, no, I, I don't think Brown's in that situation. It, it, it's a shot in the dark, but uh, if I'm going to take a shot in the dark with any talented wide receiver, might as well be Antonio Brown. Who's probably the best wide receiver we've seen in the last 10 years. in fantasy. Well, I mean, he, he would be signed by a team right now if it wasn't for other stuff. I mean, the talent oh, yeah. has never been in question. So you are yeah. right there. And how many times we had dynasty players on the show bet on talent above everything else, the opportunity yeah. will come if you're that talented. So there is something to be said for that. Moving on, let's get into the listener part or viewer participation awesome. portion of the program tonight. Um, our resident Ivy League professor in the YouTube chat right now, Hudson uh-huh. Kern-Reeve, the defending champ of the Genesis League, uh, that we uh, broadcast live on the show last week. He wants to know, do Damian Pierce and Tyler, and I'm going to butcher this, Farrell, is it Algier or Algier? I think it's the first time right. Algier. Yeah. Okay. Tyler Algier, Damian Pierce. Do they have non-trivial chances of taking over the lead running back roles at some point on their teams? Pierce in Houston, Algier in Atlanta. What say you, Jay, about Pierce and Algier being the lead guy maybe as soon as 2022? Yeah, I think so. I, I think for sure. Um, the depth charts, is it's not too stacked. It's uh, What do we have in Houston? Um, is it Marlon Mack? Yeah, he's still there. Yep. I mean, are we, really, are we really scared of Marlon Mack? Uh, I'm not. Uh, uh, so Damien Pierce, I think for sure he's he's got a good shot. Uh, what he'll do with that, I don't know. I, I liked his profile going into the draft. Um, so I think it's a decent landing spot. Now, he's the kind of guy in Dynasty, him and Algier, uh, if they show you some production – you need to trade that player within two or three weeks. Don't hang on to them because once you get to the off season, everyone's going to start. Like it's like Elijah Mitchell is a good example of that, right? You could have got a ton for him last year at this time versus now. Well, look who they, they added a running back in round three. Um, so the, these guys that are, they don't have the high draft capital that kind of um, uh, have backgrounds that are, you know, questionable. Um, you, you gotta, you gotta sell that before the, the value pops. Um, one other question that he had, uh, Hudson did, um, is McCole Hardman a sleeper this year or will he just be the same guy? I'm no done. Tyre- You're done with okay, it. I'm, I'm done with me, Cole. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> well, I mean, and, and, and I, I bring this up too, because like, obviously, you know, Tyree kill takes his talents to South beach, like LeBron James, but it's not like the cupboards bare there in Kansas city. Um, Juju Smith Schuster gets signed. They draft sky Moore. They sign Marquez Valdez Scantling. And then they get Justin Ross in, um, which I mean, say what you will, he's an undrafted free agent and he was out there for a long time before, you know, finally signing with, with Kansas city, but it's not like they're lacking for options in Kansas city. So for me, it's tough for, it's tough for me to sell McCole Hardman to anybody based on, oh, Tyree Kills, they're not there anymore, so he should have an opportunity. Best ball, 28-round best ball league, okay. But other than that, I have no interest in him. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Best ball at best, you know, as one of your final picks. But, yeah, when are you going to start that guy? When are you going to start a guy like that yeah. with confidence? Never. That's a great point. That's a great point. Uh, a couple of emails here uh, as we um, as we get through uh, – um, the program tonight where my computer's been acting up all night. I apologize. Oh, here we go. Stu in Pontiac, Michigan. Uh, these actually, these emails both came in late this afternoon. Stu in Pontiac, Michigan. Does Brian Edwards make for a nice sleeper in Atlanta? Now the thanks guys. That's Stu in Pontiac. We appreciate you listening, Stu. So Brian Edwards goes from Las Vegas where he had to compete with Darren Waller, Devonte Adams, Hunter Renfro. Now he's competing with Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and then your guess is as good as, yeah. as mine. Olamide Zacchaeus. I mean, there's not a whole lot there. So, Jay, what do you think about Brian Edwards this year now that he has this big opportunity in Atlanta? Granted, catching passes from Marcus Mario. I think it's I think it's good for Brian Edwards. I think he's going to get an opportunity now. I mean, like you said, there, there, there was no one really there. Uh, he could, like he, the wide receiver two spot is open, so maybe Edwards can can uh, attack that. Um, in terms of fantasy. Uh, he's someone I know that uh, a lot of people last year were thinking, oh, okay, he, year one was injury riddled. Maybe year two, he takes a step. There was a lot of disappointment uh, with it. And he showed some flashes and he, and he has some of the physical tools. Um, and I was guilty of that too, wanting Edwards to be better than he was. I, I, I mean, at best, he's a number three, right? You got Drake London. He's going to be the guy there along with obviously Kyle Pitts. And the, and the quarterback is still questionable. Mariota or, or a rookie. Uh, I, I just don't see the path to relevance for Brian Edwards. So I'm probably just, better, better real life football move than a fantasy relevant. Right. I'm, I'm loading up the, um, the eight o'clock um, football guys players championship draft tonight. Cause I'm actually kind of, this was the first FPC draft we had after the Edwards trade. And of course it's okay, loading yeah. super slow. I wanted to see where, I don't even know if he was chosen tonight. I mean, is he, as far as redraft goes, 20 round uh, draft, Jay, are you interested in Brian Edwards? No, not no. at all. Okay. Not at all. No. Okay. Um, Jay, and you might, you might re-examine that as, as we move on through the preseason. I'm, I'm kind of siding with you now, but I could be on the fence about this player. Something I've noticed about players is when they struggle or when they're in situations, they get a chance to go home. This, this kid's from Conway, South Carolina. Okay, now to... you're selling me on a narrative. <laughs> yep. He ends up in Atlanta. He's, he's around a bunch of other young players with, with a very low ceiling of expectations. Just come on, come and play a little better this week than you did last week. I think some things could happen for him. While Six that... foot three-inch target. They like If we know anything, they like big targets in Atlanta. Well, and, we know we know Oakland or Oakland, uh, Vegas, right? Okay. It's a place where they draft players and they just don't give a damn about developing them. How many uh, offense, defense, it doesn't matter, right? 
It, uh, so, hey, I mean, Zay Jones was getting playing time over him last year. How sad was that? Farrell, what, what do you say? Because Farrell's a Raiders fan. Oh, okay. I, think I, didn't know that. Very, I think you're very correct. And, and that's not a – the Los Angeles Rams don't care about developing players either, and they just won the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> but, but I agree now that the that, that was – the practice of the previous Raiders. I don't agree that that's the practice of the current Raiders. And I think in, in the world of Raider fans, we're all very, very happy about that. Cause I agree with you, Jay, if you're going to build a franchise, uh, you, you better build one to de developing players. And you look back on coach Gruden, the only guy that could work himself out of a 10 year contract in, in the, what the second year or something. Yeah. But if you had a 10 year contract, you think developing players might be somewhere up at the top of the list, you know? Exactly. Uh, all right. Uh, Balky, you have any more emails? Sir? One more email. It comes Here from, uh, ironically, Irvine, California, Abe in mm -hmm. Irvine, California. I guess that's not ironic at all. How are you adjusting your Saints receiver valuations now that Jarvis Landry is joining them in New Orleans? Abe, we appreciate you listening and emailing in. Jay, what do you think about Jarvis Landry this year as a Saint? Uh, I, I, It's a one-year deal, $6 million, I think, uh, with consensus probably built in. Yep, that sounds right. Uh, it, now, Michael Thomas, to me, at this stage of his career, is probably a slot guy. Jarvis Landry is the definition of a slot guy. So I'm interested to see how that's going to play out. And it makes me wonder, is there something going on with Michael Thomas? Is is he actually going to be there? We know he wasn't on good terms with Sean Payton and the Saints. Um, you know, the, the, the relationship. I mean, uh, the fact that there was he was not following the rehabilitation program properly and there was all these setbacks, like it's been a mess with Thomas and the Saints last year. So I wonder if there's something going on here because I, I do find it bizarre, the, the fit um based on those guys to me being two slot guys yeah i, I think you're right and i know uh, this is uh, the dizzle dave gerzak has been saying this too he's like he's concerned about michael thomas um the fact that the saints were had been interested in receivers right they signed one they used their first round pick on olave um what's michael thomas done in, in like the last couple of years not not a whole yeah. lot yeah. i mean in and you know, it's it's not like he's a spring chicken anymore. Um, I think that, and I think Dave made this comment too, you know, they keep restructuring and restructuring and restructuring. I think they want to cut this guy, but they can't because of all the money they owe him. So I think this, this opens up a wealth of opportunity and excitement for not only Landry, but Olave as well. Um, and, and I'm including this year for, for the rookie receiver too. Farrell, that's it for emails, my friend. Okay. Well, I think you guys have it hitting the nail right on the head there i uh man so you love these rookie drafts in the uh in the dynasty right it's it's a very happy time for you it's a it's, fun uh, time of year i i had an old executive in the nfl years and years and years ago he, he told me he had a love-hate relationship with rookie players and this is back when you had 12 rounds of the draft 12 rounds and then they signed a whole lot of free agents uh he he said he hated to draft them and he loved to cut them and, you know, he believed in his guy. So you, and, you know, I always thought that dynasty players, that you guys kind of fell in love with your rosters. And and it's it's very enlightening what you said about Elijah Mitchell. Get some good games out of him and trade him and see that. I might not be a very good dynasty player because I would say, oh, I want to have Elijah Mitchell forever. Look, look how great he is. But I, I'm trying to learn and adjust my mindset. So 
teach me something about this rookie draft. Give me and then a player we haven't talked about yet because we talked about several. Give me a, a rookie you love and one that you just do not want anything to do. Yeah. The love-hate relationship from Jay from Ontario. Okay. Let's start. Let's start with a little hate. Um, and not that I hate the player. You're I, a hockey player. You're a hockey yeah. guy. So we'll start with hate. Okay. You know, so let, let's go with, we haven't talked about this guy yet. George Pickens. Mm. Now, I, I, I'm intrigued by Pickens. I, I think he's a talented guy and he obviously had the injury last year. I Pittsburgh does a good job with wide receivers. Now here's the problem I have. There is a lot of talented players there. Najee, Pat Fryermuth, Deontay's there. Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool, another Canadian. I'll throw that in there. Plug. Even the best for uh, Mapletron, baby. Right? So, yep. Uh, where does he stack up? He's like fifth on the list. That I it, With a rookie quarterback, too, with Kenny Pickett, I just don't see all these guys really shaping out and, and uh, putting up numbers. Um, so a lot of people make the argument, well, maybe Deontay leaves a year from now via free agency and then boom pickens assumes his role right maybe but uh I, i'm not going to wait that long his you could trade for pickens i guarantee you in dynasty uh in october where he's probably not producing much and buy him on the down low because people are looking at sitting on their benches like oh what is what has he done maybe i'm wrong but that's my view on him there's too many guys there ahead of him um and i think it hurts claypool too uh, i i I'm not too excited about Claypool, um, so it hurts him uh, as well. Uh, in terms of the rookie I loved, um, we talked about both these guys, so I'll do a co-award. So it's uh, James Cooks with, with the Bills. I, I do think there's there's something there, um, so I'm excited about about him. And the other guy we talked about too was David Bell. Uh, really like those two guys. I think with Bell, it's going to take a little bit of time. The interesting thing, this is the other thing that still has to be settled with, what's going on with Deshaun Watson, right? Is he suspended? Probably how long? Six games? Is it longer? We're, we're still waiting to see. And that's obviously going to have a ripple effect on the offense. Um, Farrell, Pickens, um, do you share Jay's viewpoint on him knowing that it's the Trubisky-Pickett show and they already have a lot of talent on the perimeter and in the backfield there? I think that's a fantastic assessment of where the player stands uh, with the team. Of course, you're wrong. It's raining about Claypool. But we'll let <laughs> and then, um, you know, I, um, we're going, I'm going to defer to you because you are a dynasty expert. And I may be wrong about Bell. Let me ask you in redraft leagues, does Bell – serve any value to you will you be drafting him in a 20 round redraft if i knew if i knew that uh watson was going to play week one absolutely mm -hmm. if he's not no okay fair because enough. i think i think the, the the browns will default to what they do their run first offense mm -hmm. right um and really the wide receiver position has been pretty volatile there the last few years um, you know, Landry have a few good games. Donovan Peoples Jones gives he's the kind of guy you get excited about. Look, oh, 100 yards on three catches and a TD. You're chasing that, and then boom, he gets you a donut the next week. So, um, until Watson's there, it's just hard to trust anyone. So, uh, that, that's how we view Bill. 
one player as far as dynasty fantasy football we will always trust is ju chonky the uh the the royalty the king of the north as it were (laughs) coming on the show tonight a six-time ffpc high stakes dynasty champion jay can't thank you enough for carving out some time um uh, we enjoyed it i hope you did too uh, good luck. Uh, enjoy the rest of your rookie drafts and all your drafts this season, man. Uh, wish you nothing but the best and get some more dynasty titles under your belt in 2022, dude. I'll, I'll try. It's a Good grind. Man. Appreciate it. Thank you, Cheers, Jay. guys. Jay, your tronky, ladies and gentlemen, from uh, Ontario, Canada. Good stuff from him. Farrell, here's what I was going to do. I was like, let, let's hammer out some, some emails. My computer and, and I, it, for my afternoon show today, it was a train wreck as well. I cannot get the emails loaded tonight. So I will put a pin in the emails. If you emailed the show this week, we'll get to them next week. I hopefully promise, uh, but it's just not going to work out tonight. Uh, it was a pleasure doing the show with you again. We got some great feedback from uh, um, Hudson Kern Reeve gave Jay Utronky the Cornell stamp of approval tonight. Oh, Loved him as a guest. I appreciate him too. And I think like one of the things that, that, um, you know, I enjoy talking with these FFPC dynasty owners about, you know, the, the, the strategy and the challenge that goes into having a cutting, cutting down to 16 and then having a deep dynasty draft and utilizing those picks as best you can for your roster when it expands for, for the start of the season. This is not something that, that not, not a whole lot of other dynasty leagues are like this, like the way the FFPC structures it. And we get some really brilliant guys coming on the show like Jay to talk about that. Yeah, and it, it translates to all formats in the league. And, you know, uh, we're also working at Cornell to find an administrator to come play fantasy football, Bucky, because an honorary degree for Cornell and communications is just waiting for you. So <laughs> we, there's, there's a lot in your future yeah. that, that Hudson Kern Reeve is, is delivering. And I'm, I'm trying, you know, Bucky, I've got three spots, just three spots for the run to daylight Sunday night draft. Oh, uh, Sunday night, really? Hot Brown division, and I've reached out to the professor, and, and I'm hopeful that he can get in there. I'm hopeful that you – I know you can't draft in every one of them, Balky, but I wish you would. I'm going to take uh, a look. Know, I'm going to take a look make this one. We'll be halfway through uh, the uh, the run to daylight. And, you know, anyone that, uh, you know, that, that feels like they're ready to draft can jump into this managed league, this $200 buy-in, and make that your first KFFSC lead in the spirit of the Kentucky Derby, which was won by a horse that was a last-minute entry this year. So you can jump in and be a, a last-minute entry and a big winner in the KFFSC. I'm going to take a look at it for sure. I know, well, as as I saw, my Bucks could not take care of business at home against the Celtics mm. tonight. Congratulations to Boston. Jason Tatum was unbelievable. Game 7, I believe, is 2.30 Central Time Sunday afternoon. That wow. should be done with by the oh, time the run to daylight yeah. draft kicks off. So I might be able to swing that. Um, if you want to join any of the run to daylight drafts, KFFSC.com. If you want to join the main event in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, KFFSC.com. And, of course, the Draft Masters and all the other leagues, uh, whether you want to draft online, live in Cincinnati, or live in Louisville, KFFSC.com. Farrell, certainly appreciate everything you do for the KFFSC, everything you do for this podcast, and we will talk with you again next Friday. See you then, buddy. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, you follow him on Twitter at Elliott at KFFSC on Twitter, and be sure to register for those leagues at KFFSC.com. That will complete our show this evening. I want to thank Jay Utronky. I want to thank uh, Farrell Elliott, 
the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you. We will be back next Friday at 10, 9 central. Um, shift into the redraft portion of the season. We're kind of putting Dynasty behind us a little bit, at least on this show. We'll still get into some Dynasty stuff. But the reigning Revelations champion, you saw him draft on this program last week. Andrew Schellenberg will pop on as our guest next week on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. We'll pick his brain on his Revelations draft, what he foresees as the league winners in the Football Guys Players Championship, and how people, uh, who people are going to be drafting in order to win a million bucks in the FFPC main event this year. Remember, you have 18 days left to save on the early bird. $100 off your first team, $500 off each additional team after May 31st. You can't save $100 off your main event team anymore. And the additional teams, uh, that that discount is going to go up by 100 bucks as well. So make sure you're registering now uh, via a pull, full payment or a $200 deposit. The Football Guys Early Bird promo is active. $35 discount on, uh, I beg your pardon. If you register before June 30th, draft before July 15th, you'll get a free $35 FFPC um, uh, team credit uh, to your account. And you'll do, we'll do that up to three times if you do it three times. So make sure you're taking advantage of that. The 2022 FFPC Best Ball Tournament is live. Drafts going off every day there. $125 entry will get you a shot at $200,000. That is a 100% increase over last year. 100 grand grand prize last year, 200 grand grand prize this year. And the entire prize pool has basically been doubled as well. We introduced the Superflex Best Ball Tournament this year. $35 will get you in. You could win $10,000 on that. Those drafts are going off every day. All these drafts. 30-second clock, uh, two-hour clock, six-hour clock, whatever you want to do, it's available. Uh, Dynasty Startups, we got some popping off tomorrow. Make sure you're registering for those. They kick off at 10 o'clock Eastern time tomorrow. And plenty of slow, live, and sit-and-go best ball options all at myffpc.com. That will complete tonight's broadcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for watching. We'll do it again next Friday. Your weekend's <laughs>Hey, one other thing I should mention, uh, everybody. Um, my son likes to listen to his Amazon Alexa before going to bed at night, and he usually puts on my terrestrial radio station, Sports Talk Station, and listens to that. For whatever reason, um, he said there's too many commercials playing um, last night, so I told his Amazon Alexa to play the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. And he listened and fell asleep to the Genesis and Revelations coverage we had last week. My son falling asleep to this show. Not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it happened. And uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll look at it in a positive way. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk with you again next week.